Well, you can pick your friend's, you can pick your nose, and let's face it, for the right toy, we'd probably pick our friend's nose, too. You're listening to the Action Figure Blues Podcast, episode number 82, for the week of Wednesday, the 11th of September, 2013. I'm Scott, and with me tonight are... Justin and Ben. This episode is brought to you by Superpower Collectibles and ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight, after our regular features, our guest is digital action figure and statue sculptor Joseph Mena. again gentlemen how are you this evening excellent good thank you very much yes justin what have you been up to i've just had a boring weekend Uh, boring weekend sorry boring week yeah thanks yeah boring (laughs) up until now it's been fine (laughs) boring weren't you excited to exercise your democratic right to have a say and get out there and vote oh yeah no that's always good in our little church hall it's um never crowded Bright. Uh, <laughs> oh man, mine was packed. Yeah. For those who have no idea what we're talking about, today is the we, has been our federal election here in Australia, um, where we are obliged to vote or we get fined, and uh, but then they put on sausage sizzles and cake stalls to make up for it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I chose no? the wrong wrong place. I, I had a choice of two, and I went I went with one, and they had nothing. And apparently, the other one had had the barbecue and a cake stall and everything. Oh, I, I got a sausage sizzle. Good on you. Yeah. Oh, I, what I always do is uh, to avoid the queues. Is I go to the nearest polling booth that is just outside of my electorate, <laughs> so that I can vote as an out of area um, voter. Because right. they, you, know, you, there's never any cue for that. So, <laughs> you're an evil genius. Yeah, <laughs> I've got it you all. should be in politics. I should, I've got it all worked out. This federal election thing. <laughs> and I think uh, as I, of, sorry, Justin. No, you're right. I was just going to say I took uh, my five year old with me on his way to he had a makeup swimming lesson. And we got there, and he's going, Dad, I'm bored. Bless. <laughs> yeah, I'm having so much fun, mate. <laughs> I think as of right this very second, our um, our our current, our incumbent Prime Minister is giving his um, concession speech. Oh, we should be covering it live. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> anyway. He could have done it at 9 o'clock this morning, saved a lot of money. That's right. <laughs> I'll just insert some now. Blah, 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 blah. That'll do. <laughs> so, Ben, what have you been up to? Um, what have I been up to? I don't think. Probably, oh, there was a short period of mourning there as um, as we, we sort of said farewell to Critical Mess and uh, then welcomed an influx of um, messy Gs to Action Figure Blues, which has been... Um, 
pretty a pretty wild and crazy week. <laughs> I probably so, posted about 400 messages in four days. <laughs> so again, for people who have no idea what we're talking about, um, Critical Mess is a, a well was a long-standing a board for action figure pop culture etc. And it it passed away this week, and so we have had a number of people. Join the AFB forum, which is great. And if you yes. are not chatting with us, it's afbforum.com. You should come and register and say good day. Indeed. Yeah. Mm. But there, yeah, other than that, not much. What about you? Oh, a good week of no travel. Mm, it's just good. I've got two weeks of almost all travel coming up. Mm. Um, so that's good. Next week, I'm going to have two weeks off because I've, I've got so much work travel to do. I've really got to give the weekends to the family. Yep. And next week, for the first time ever, I'm going to Tasmania. Ah, there you go. Yeah, I've never, cool. never been. So looking yeah, forward make, to that. Make sure you have your fish and chips down on the wharf. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going with a colleague who knows it well. So mm. that'll be good. I'll have a tour guide. So. Excellent. Yeah, you get you get the ones that come in the rolled up newspaper, like it's in a cone. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Mm. Yeah, looking forward to it. All good. Well, we've got a um, fun show coming up. We have Joe Minna um, joining us, who is uh, not only a very well known digital sculptor of toys and action figures, but also the only person responsible for a toy that has received eleven out of ten dollars on this very podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll be chatting to him about that for sure. But right now, let's get started with some articulated news. Well, as always, we start with a bit of news. Articulated news is not meant to be all the news that's happened in the Toy and Collectibles world this week. It's just the things that have caught our eye and that we feel like talking about. And Ben, you've got some stuff that you feel like talking about first. I do, indeed. Uh, First up, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the classic series. Uh, The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have come back in force from Playmates, and I'm really enjoying the four-inch line. But um, one of the scales I haven't been sort of that particularly interested in has been the the classic series, but I know a lot of people have been, particularly since the announcement of uh, Bebop and Rocksteady (laughs) coming in um, one of the subsequent waves. But um, fans of the Ninja Turtles series are going to be thrilled to find out that the classic series will be exclusive to Toys R Us. Um, So as if most of your toys aren't hard enough to find these days, um, limiting it to just one sort of chain makes it all that much harder. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm really not a big fan of this sort of thing. Did they pop up anywhere else in Australia, Bob, apart from Toys R Us? The four inch, um, yeah, I mean, most of them did. Yeah. The four inch one's been everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest problem um, with this is it's usually pretty hard to get stuff in Australia anyway. Yeah. Um, We've seen stuff in the past that only appears at one or two different um, chains. And um, just because something is a a Toys R Us exclusive uh, gives you absolutely. you know, there's no chance that you'll actually see it at Toys R Us in Australia. So, 
We've seen that time and time again when something's been a Target exclusive and it's uh, just simply hasn't turned up at Target Australia. So that makes it really, really hard for our American friends and will probably make it um, pretty much impossible for the Aussies. So we'll just keep an eye on that one and, uh, I don't know, hopefully they'll prove us wrong and, and they will actually turn up at retail here as well. Very good. So, Something yeah. else? Oh, indeed. One that uh, blew a few of us away, and that is uh, a new Batman modern age life-size bust. Um, this is one of those sort of huge life-size pieces that comes from Sideshow. Um, it's amazing to look at, absolutely amazing. But the thing that really sort of, I don't know, that I'm, I'm a bit lost is when it says that it's the modern age. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is that modern age as in comic modern age? Like, is that the modern age that comes after the Bronze Age? Like, Bronze Age being sort of early 70s through to, you know, late 80s, you know, before the image age took over in the 90s. Um, I'm not really sure sort of what their definition of the modern age. It's kind of the, um, I don't know, I guess the, it's the Batman from sort of the, the late 80s, the 80s through to the 90s. But it is the Batman that has that sort of distinctive blue cape and cowl with the uh, the grey bodysuit and, of course, the, the famous yellow disc, the yellow oval with the black bat in it. Um, and it's it's absolutely stunning. I don't know whether this is actually just a copy of their last Batman and it's just simply recolored and sort of touched up. But um, anyway, look at it. It's an amazing piece, but it'll actually set you back the uh, princely sum of six hundred and eighty dollars. Wow. Which I mean, that's about standard for a life size bust these days. That that isn't too complicated. You know, you see some of the really complicated pieces going up over a thousand dollars. So that that's actually pretty reasonable for a, a life size bust. And the thing is, if you go through Sideshow, you've got their flex pay, so you can pay it off over uh, about six months. Oh man, it it is essentially just a repaint with a. I mean, the um, a different. Chest emblem. I don't know if there's any sculpting involved in that, but yeah, it's hard to tell. Yeah, otherwise it is a a repaint. But you know, I mean, it's I I can see where there'd definitely be a market for it. There'd be some people that would have passed on the previous one because they prefer the blue and grey. But I didn't know that the blue and grey was coming. So no. if you were someone who really wanted oh, yeah, a Batman life-size right. bust, yeah. you took one look at this, the, the first one, and went, oh, wow, that's beautifully sculpted. He looks really menacing. I'm going to buy that Batman life-size bust. It's not quite the Batman that I want, the modern age one, but, hey, it's still pretty good, and then you buy it, and then they offer this one. Mm. You, you'd have mm. to be pretty peeved. Yes, true. Indeed. And But this was something that Sideshow never used to do, but it's something they're actually starting to do more and more, such as, um, you know, we saw that with the white costume premium format Storm figure. Yes. Um, So, uh, look, I think, you know, Sideshow really need to work on that. They're usually pretty good with their um, social media, and and I think it's something that they need to sort of indicate that there could be subsequent variants. Yeah, it is a... A, a bit of a nasty habit that they seem to be developing. Mm. Um, and it is, uh, for something like this, it's not like another $20 action figure that you can go out and have two of if you, you really want that version. It's, you know, yep. it's yeah. a big yep. investment. Yeah. And uh, in some other news, we've uh, actually found out the Super 7 Funko partnership that brought us the Alien figures, the retro figures. Um, We're actually getting some more licenses. It's still a rumour at this stage, but there's been a, quote, flurry of news on what to expect from the the new partnership. But um, 
Word on the street is that uh, the Terminator, Firefly, Goonies, Aliens, and Buffy the Vampire uh, TV series, oh, and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure as well, are all properties that could be getting the reaction treatment. Oh, so, Goonies. Yeah, um, Goonies was one that jumped out at me. I just thought, hmm, that's interesting. Because, <laughs> so, you know, there's been so much yelling and screaming for Goonies. I know. Okay, don't knock the Goonies. I'm not I, knocking the Goonies, but do you really want toys of the Goonies? Every week, three, yes. or four, three or four emails asking, do you know when Goonies figures are coming back? So for all those people, we can tell you that the Goonies figures are coming back. There you go. Stop emailing us. Coming back? Were they ever a thing? Hey, <laughs> you see this penny? This is my penny. This is my dream. This is my wish. And I'm taking them back. I'm taking them all back. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, that's my news. All right, <laughs> um, Justin, if I could distract you from your penny for a moment, could you do some news? <laughs> that's what everyone calls it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my first bit of news is one of one fourth inch. Uh, sorry, one fourth scale He-Man statue from Pop Culture Shock Collectibles. Now this is a He-Man in the classic filmation style. He stands at over, what's that? So it's about 29 inches tall. It is limited to, what have we got, 350 pieces and sit down for the price, $349 USD. But he comes with a Orco as well, and he comes with the lower part of the grayscale drawbridge. It's a striking figure indeed. However, the face and the, what would you call it, Prince Valiant haircut, it never yeah. really translates well, and the face is very hard to get from that animation That's, rendering. That is the first thing that jumped out at me as well, was you just don't realise just how dicky his haircut was <laughs> until you see it in something like this. That's all right. I think some – well, they don't understand that it was okay when we were 5 to 10. You know, we, we never paid attention to that, but no, it's yeah. be hard ask for someone, 350 bucks. So I guess there must be a market for it, but it's – you just know that that Prince Adam was just bullied at school with that haircut, <laughs> don't you? Hey, page boy, page boy. Yeah, exactly. We don't yeah. care if you like the prince. You know, we're going to like pummel you and stick your head in you know, whatever the equivalent of the toilet was. <laughs> I, I do like that base. I think the base is very clever with the Castle Grayskull drawbridge. That's um... I the, the face to me is off. It is. I it. It looks like someone dressed up as He-Man. It looks like, look... yeah, it looks like Darren from Bewitch. <laughs> oh my gosh, it does! <laughs> um, it's just not. No, it's not right. Yeah, but still, it's, the rest it's... of it, like the the skin tone and everything, it looks flawless. It looks um, very impressive. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there'll be people out there that are really excited about this. Just not us, Justin. Something else. Uh, second bit of news, we have uh, an announcement of the Star Wars from the Gentle Giant series. These are the um, largest uh, size Kenner ones, and we're getting a three-pack of the droids. We're getting a Death Star droid, we're getting R5-D4 and the Power droid. Um, you guys seen these around before. They're really well-packed mm. in the in the um, retro packaging. They're really mm. well done. I've seen them in comic shops and the rest of it. Um, and they and- are big. Yeah, yeah, they're pricey too for what they are. Yeah, they are. Um, no real mention on the price here, but I guess three to a pack um, in comic shops, they're quite expensive. So droids, I guess, are always a big seller as well, and Gonk Droid being there will, will no doubt 
yeah. go off the shelves. Mm. What if these are packaged to get? Have these been previously released individually? No. No. Yeah, I assume these are put together because you, you probably individually they just wouldn't sell. It's no, a, not for that. Yeah, for the it, price point, I guess. Yeah, and it, but also it's an exclusive to Action Figure Express, so mm. you know it's. Uh, I wonder what that means about the price. Hmm. But definitely exciting for people that have been collecting that. Yeah, oh, definitely. It's good to see that line sort of continuing beyond sort of three or four figures as a sort of thing where you really have to wonder whether there's going to be the support behind it. And, and obviously they've um, they've received just that because it seems to be going pretty strong. That's right. And uh, from the Jumbo Star Wars to the rather large Iron Man, <laughs> Justin. Ooh, so more Iron Man news. I'm sure everyone's hey, happy to hear that. Yeah. God. So these are the super alloy one quarter of scale, uh, scale war machine is the first one I'm looking at <laughs> from play imaginative. Uh, the, the packing parts and the features are just way too many to, to mention. It's uh, huge, isn't it? Ball joint groin. Yeah, it's there. I wasn't going to mention it. I was waiting for someone else to drop it. <laughs> the, uh, the facial likeness is outstanding. It's Don Cheadle. It's, it's really well done, but I don't know it, how long will the Iron Man, uh, Machine keep going along. It seems every week yeah. he's released in a different scale. But his war machine have to be. This would have to be a heavy figure. I mean, it's one quarter scale. Yes, so it's eighteen yes. inches Alloy. tall. Yeah, eighteen inches tall and eighty-five percent die cast. Whoa, that's yep. that's massive. Like that, that that you could kill someone with that thing. <laughs> yes, you could. So, I have no idea how much it is though. No, can't see the price here either. So much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you, that's what the official think, listing. It's just hit price so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then I'd list it because I know. We'll just um, I'll just get Arnold to go and check then. Go for it, dude. Go, dude. Good on you, Arnold. Off you go. Well, if that knocked your socks off, the next bit of news is a super alloy star boost. Yeah. Uh, same Who? scale. Oh, oh, I'm so glad they did that one because yeah. I thought I'm yeah. not getting one unless they do the star boost. Well, there you go. Someone's heard. <laughs> this yeah. is the for people who don't know. It's the I guess it's the the what would you call it astronaut sort of suit. Well, it's I think the white. The technical name is suborbital, but they've changed ah. it to star boost for some reason. Well, there you go. See now, I I only have just seen this movie. I didn't get to see it in the cinema, mm-hmm. so I've seen it on Blu-ray, and I'm now amazed by the number of armors that are being made in toys because most of them are almost completely undistinguishable in the film. Mm. Oh, right. there's there's armors that have come out from Hot Toys where I've gone, I don't even remember that one on no. screen, yet you've made a $250 Hot Toys figure. But I, I think it's actually the point now where... It, it's literally, I mean, I've picked up all the Marvel Legends Iron Man figures because I like the idea of a Hall of Armor, and I think it's actually that point now with, say, Hot Toys collectors. They're just simply getting them because it's an additional figure to go in their Hall of Armor, not because it's their favourite suit of armor from yeah. Iron Man 3. I mean, Hot Toys could be doing, like, some kind of, you know, brown turd salvage armor and people just buy it because it's an extra, you know? <laughs> Brown turd. Is that is that to salvage the brown turd, or was that the colour of the <laughs> the suit? <laughs> that is very uh, funny. 
Oh, I have a price on these suckers. Thank you, Arnold. (laughs) These will set you back not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but $600, according to Big Bad Toy Store. Oh, my gosh. Wowie, wowie, wow. You might, I hope you love Don Cheadle. Oh, my gosh. Captain Planet Don's Cheadle, I do. Well, from the um, very big and very expensive to the extremely small and rather economical, we have some Minimates news. There are a couple of new announcements for lines of Minimates, and the first one is Tomb Raider Minimates. Now, I have to confess, I don't know much about this property, so I cannot comment on the characters (laughs) other than Lara Croft and their accuracy or lack thereof. Can anyone assist me? Well, I mean, it depends which version you're looking at. Traditionally, she's always had the shorts and the sort of like the, the cargo shorts and the, you know, the blue spaghetti strap singlet type thing going on. And yeah. um, there seems to be those all those elements there. I think they've just sort of made up some other bits and pieces to go, go with her, but it looks like eight figures to a series. And the other characters in the series, are they important characters oh. or...? Can't remember. I mean, the, the property's been around since kind of like the you know the, the late nineties, so okay, probably yeah. even a bit earlier. So, if you're a Tomb Raider fan, then presumably you're going to be very excited. Probably about this, oh. and uh, if you're an Age of Ultron fan, crickets, crickets, then <laughs> you you'll be. I'm um, Brian Michael Bendis. Fuck all. Very excited about this <laughs> next. <laughs> Um, set with is a Age of Ultron Minimates series which has Ultron, it has Nick Fury, it has the Age of Ultron Iron Man, and then it has Angela. Yay! I didn't know Nick Fury was white. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a retcon. <laughs> ah, interesting direction for the character. I know, yeah. Um, He's got an eye patch just like the black dude. I know. Yeah, I think he might be like the black dude's son or something. Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, mm, right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Angela. Seriously. Yeah, she's, <laughs> I think she's Spawn's mother. She 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 looks like crap. <laughs> Sorry, because uh, like I didn't even when I first looked at it, cause I w- I don't really think of her when I think about Age of Ultron because she was only kind of in the very end of it. Uh, and when I first looked at it, I was like, who's that freaky bumblebee Egyptian looking woman? <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm really a bit sort of taken aback by the amount of conversation that's gone on on the interwebs in regards to introducing Angela to the Marvel Universe. I mean, I wasn't even a fan of the character when she was introduced in Spawn. I think, you know, of everything that we've ever been given from Neil Gaiman, she just doesn't register uh, for me. And the fact that they introduced her is just, you know, pretty unexciting. And her introduction in Age of Ultron was just a complete blare. It was a total non-event. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, that that I love alternate reality stories, and I enjoyed Age of Ultron from that perspective. But it was really, really a bit of a clunker. Mm. Even her introduction in Guardians of the Galaxy has been pretty lame. Mm. Yeah, I haven't read that. So, but I mean, that you know, if you're a Mini Mates collector and you like those properties, you're going to be very happy. And not brand new news, but we have now seen full solicit pictures of the DC Collectibles New 52 Crime Syndicate figures. And uh, if you have 
been following the Trinity War storyline, you now know why these are being made. Um, and if not, I won't spoil it for you. But we now know that we are getting... We, we saw the sneaks of the heads and torsos of Power Ring, Ultraman, and Superwoman before. <clears throat> We've now seen the full solicits of them, and they have legs, which is very exciting. <laughs> and uh, we are also getting uh, Johnny Quick and Owlman. And this is with the... Oh, and Atomica as well, who is the crime syndicate version of the new um, Atom. And these are with the new improved DC Collectibles um, articulation. And uh, they've got this fantastic idea, which I can't believe no one's ever thought of before, of articulated ankles. Mm, wow. Yeah. Such trendsetters over at DC. Um, so I'm sure that'll catch on. What's the um, thing about stands? So it's 6.75 inches tall. So it's what's so that's that? still that's that's still DC direct scale. So oh, okay. Yeah, that'll okay. still be huge. Yeah. Mm. The, the 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 main thing I, mean, I think this is fun, and the main thing that I'm not liking for most of these is the head sculpts. Um, the the Ultraman head sculpt in particular looks really horrible. I'm mm. um, very happy about the new articulation. I'm happy to have a new Superwoman because the. Um, Old DC Direct Superwoman head sculpt has got. She's very angry. She's very angry. <laughs> very, very angry. So it'll be interesting to see how these turn out. And uh, I suppose, depending on how the storyline pans out, will influence whether or not I want them. But again, nice to see that there's some new articulation happening, and hopefully that'll continue on into the rest of the line. Mm. Now, one thing you don't seem to hear much is, you know, for all the pissing and moaning about DC Universe classics, um, these things have a recommended retail price of twenty five dollars each, yeah. so they're they're hardly cheap for an action figure. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm surprised that I don't know. I guess we are. We'll have to see how important these become. These characters become in the storyline. Because I'm a bit surprised that we're getting toys with them, um, particularly when well, like obviously the new fifty two versions haven't been done before, but. Uh, they were visited fairly recently in in Mattel land, so mm. we shall see. And that, I believe, is the news. Good job, and we'll be right back in a moment with the next installment of everybody's favorite podcast game, Name That. Tell a friend. everybody this is john i'm hiding deep in the engineer nerd bunker hiding from the vicious sharknadoes last time we heard a sound that sounded a little something like this and if you got your groove on and you were a child of the 80s you of course knew this was the one and only michael jackson as soon as I sent him the sound, Scott knew what this was because apparently he collected the Michael Jackson doll along with his glamour gals. So, Scott, you will get a forum point, which I have already awarded to you. And we will move on to this week's sound. It's going to sound a little something like this. Pick on someone your own size, Ripper! You asked for it, Piece of cake. Jack, look out! Whack! Whack! You ripped my shirt! 
and we will play it one more time. Pick on someone your own size, Ripper! You asked for it, Piece of cake. Jack, look out! Whack! Whack! You ripped my shirt! As always, if you've got a guess, come on over to afbforum.com and leave a guess in the thread. You know, you might get a forum point, which you can turn in for discounts on coffee and various other items. Also, if you want to play the picture version of Name That, come on over to tvandfilmtoys.com on Tuesdays and Thursdays and uh, play along on the same thread. It's a lot of fun, and everybody enjoys it. So, until next time, keep guessing and have fun. Peace out, people. stuff and that's why we're here so feeding the addiction is where we take time to talk about the things that we collect and confess any new pre-orders or acquisitions that we've made and particularly anything that we've shoplifted in the last week so justin <laughs> what was your haul uh, no shoplifting this week i'm on a sort of uh do not serve list uh, okay, my photos right. everywhere around yeah <laughs> yeah fair enough but uh i did receive a big box of masters of the universe classics this week um i go in a group uh, sort of thing, so I don't get them as they come out. So this week in this box, I got uh, Octavia, Clamp Champ, uh, Rock On, and Stoner, Isa, Shikodi, New Adventure, He Man, and Caster Speller. Cool. So that nice. was uh, a haul and a half. I haven't and, got my Caster uh, Speller yet. I'm yeah. a sub. <laughs> and I haven't opened them all yet, uh, but what I've looked at, it's they're actually not too bad. I don't really have any. Um, things to whinge about. I did open the new Adventures He-Man and, you know, he's actually quite a good figure in in that size. Wasn't a fan of the show when it originally came out, but um, figure's not bad at all. Cool. Yeah. Very good. That's it. That's uh, that's enough. That's enough, yeah. And Mr. Ben, <laughs> what about you? I picked up something from NECA. Uh, a while ago, NECA announced their Predator Skull Trophy Wall Diorama thingy to go with their 7-inch uh, Predator line. That's the, the wall that features at the end of Predator 2 and the spaceship, uh, and it's covered with the, the skull trophies. But the thing is with the diorama is it's just the wall diorama. It doesn't actually come with the skulls. Um, a lot of the NECA Predator figures do actually come with a, a skull as just an extra pack-in, um, some do, some don't. And so they've been sort of distributed over quite a few different figures. And if you've been cherry-picking the line, then you'll only have bits and pieces. And so um, just to show that NECA are really sort of, with, you know, have their finger on the pulse, they responded to um, fan demands, I guess, uh, and actually put together a skull pack. And it's just that. It's a... It's a pack of all their different skulls in in one set. Um, so these feature everything from an alien skull to human skulls to what looks like some sort of huge dragon skull, etc. All in one handy dandy pack. Now, uh, this pack wasn't actually released at retail. It was just something that NECA did, and they put through their eBay site. It was um, so there's no sort of fancy packaging. It just comes in a white box. 
um, and they, they did a limited edition of um, about 5,000. So as soon as it was announced, I quickly jumped on and ordered one so I wouldn't miss out. And, um, yeah, about a month later, there's still plenty in their eBay store if you want one. Well, cool. So we um, can give a gold card out. We'd probably give one to Nega this week. Yeah, yeah. Really nice. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, that's that came in. I mean, I you know, I was actually just supposed to show how lazy I am because rather than actually sit there and sort out which skulls I have and which ones I don't and which figures they came with, it was just like, eh, I'll just order the pack. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty groovy. Very good. Well, I had no oh real acquisitions this week, but I did finally get around to opening my Marvel Select Nightcrawler, which is a fun figure and a good addition to the Marvel Select X-Men. And then I also came across something that I did not know was actually around uh, in my local Woolworths, which is a grocery store. And these were Justice League figs, F-I-G-Z. And it's Justice League figs, heroes come to life. And I I was really bamboozled. They are Bruce Timm uh, style toys, but they are not really action figures. They are kind of three and three quarter, um, almost statue type, you know, things, fixed pose of, um, some of the just JLU characters. And they apparently go along with a, uh, iPhone app and game that I have not been able to get to work yet. So I got the Aquaman for me and the Flash for uh, my eldest who enjoys the uh, the Flash greatly, and uh, I think we're probably just going to look at them and not try and play with them because it doesn't really seem to work very well. <laughs> but they're supposed to come to life. That's the whole the whole point is that if you can get them to work on the app, then their superpowers animate in 3D. But that hasn't worked for us yet. Mm. But they're not Mattel actually. They, this, this is the thing that I thought was really weird. When I went and had a, a look at them, um, it says that they're made by, quote, leading Australian toy manufacturer, Head Start. Of course. Mm. Good old Head Start. Yeah. So, Up there with Toll Toys. Sorry? Up there with Toll Toys. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, they're fun looking. Like they're, you know, they are, and if you're a a Justice League Unlimited fan, then you might be interested in them. And so far, I've seen Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash, and the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's all. So, yeah. If I can get the game to work, I'll let you know. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to actually have a look for these. They look like fun if, uh, if the game part of it works as well. Yeah, well, from what I've read, they are only available at Woolworths. Oh. So, there you go. <laughs> Very fun. All right. Well, I think that's all of our our crap. It is. Very good. I think it's time to award another red card to something or someone in the toy universe. What is this, bizarro world? Well, occasionally we like to poke a little bit of fun at our hobby, and we do so by awarding the illustrious AFB red card. It's our chance to uh, just ask why or question or challenge or cry out about something that we have discovered in the last week or so. And Ben, you have this week's red card, so over to you. 
Thank you very much. This one comes via uh, our friend of AFB, Erex. Uh, Erex has uh, sometime contributed to the podcast with uh, his feedback and, and that sort of thing. And he, he posted a picture during the week, um, which made me laugh out loud, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, and that is he's picked up what is essentially uh, akin to surprise, one of those uh, eggs, chocolate eggs that features some sort of a, a toy inside and Knowing Erex, he's probably picked it up because they've uh, loudly proclaimed that it contains some kind of Iron Man toy. And uh, the the picture that he's actually posted is the egg broken in half. Uh, He's actually taken the little capsule out and opened the capsule and you can build yourself a little Iron Man figure, which sounds wonderful. Except that... um, The, what, what should be rather simple process of putting Iron Man together by connecting his, uh, his torso piece to his arm piece to the two leg pieces, uh, but poor old Eric has been shafted and has received two torso pieces. So of the four pieces he's meant to get that are meant to be different, he's actually got two that are exactly the same. So he can't even build his Iron Man. So and, uh, <laughs> it's a great photo. So uh, it just... This just looks like the the basis for one of those great internet memes. You know, the one that says, um, you know, you had just one job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had just one job. Take one of each of these four pieces and put it in the capsule. That's all you have to do. <laughs> i tell you what, he's got tremendous willpower because the chocolate's there. It's not eating. It's the first thing for me. Who cares about the little toy? Oh, that's because right. he's busy dabbing away the tears. <laughs> so we're not even sure who we can give this red card too because we don't know the the manufacturer of uh, said confectionery but whoever you are i'm sure you're listening to the podcast and uh, you know we're on to you yeah. it's a scam they're <laughs> making you buy more than one in order to make your own men we'll have to find out if erex has given in and gone back <laughs> picked up another one just to <laughs> try his luck at completing iron man yeah, damn it i'm gonna build this iron man if it kills me and his next one, he'll just get four war machine left arms or something. <laughs> well, thank you, Eric's. We like having fan-contributed red cards. Beautiful. Well, that is a very well-deserved fail. And coming up after that is our interview with sculptor Joe Mena. Talking small soldiers. I am Archer, leader of the Gorgonites. Phrases like in the movie. Prepare for battle. And giant electronic talking chip. Major Chip Hazard reporting. The ultimate in hand-to-hand combat. Commandos, attack! Chips armed to the teeth. But Archer cuts him down to size. Small soldiers, big battle! New giant electronic talking Archer and Chip. each sold separately. Well, if you are a fan or a collector of anything Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and more, then you may well own some of the work of our guest tonight. Joe Mena is one of the world's leading digital sculptors. He has an extensive sculpting history. He's left his mark in the pop culture world with many amazing action figures and high-end statues. And Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Well, now, you you have a a special distinction on the AFB podcast because you may (laughs) or may not be aware of this, but your uh, Bowen and Captain Marvel is the only uh, toy in 83 episodes that we've reviewed that has received an 11 out of 10 (laughs) on our our rating scale. 
I did. I did hear. I did listen to that episode. That was flattering to say the least. And uh, I've I've been getting paid out for that ever since. Um, No, no no offense, Joe. No, no, no offense to the to the product. It's just like you know, what have you done to the scale? But um, you know, I I I really loved it, and that's how you and I made contact when I shared the, the the link with you. And it's been fantastic to get to to know you a bit since then. And so we're delighted to have the chance to talk to you tonight. So just to start off for those who may not be aware, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your background and maybe how you got into all of this um, toy and collectible uh, sculpting stuff. Absolutely. Um, I live I live in the East Coast of the United States, um, kind of strategically located between Philadelphia and New York. I'm married, um, father of three, wonderful kids, my wonderful wife, who's also an artist. Um, and uh, I, I grew up a lifelong comic book and science fiction fan. Um, you know, uh, like any, like any, a lot of us involved in the culture, comic books for me were, were not only um, an escape from, from some of the, some of the stuff that you go through as a young person, hmm. but they also served as, um, and fantasy and science fiction novels and, 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 and other media, that whole continuum served as, as an escape, but it also served as a springboard for my imagination. Hmm. You know, it's kind of like an introduction into this uh, world, this archetypal world of, of heroes and mythology. And then, and, and it was basically, you know, the, the, the cornerstone for everything that I became as an adult, as an artist, um, it, it, as I got older, it, it, it turned me on to a love of things like Joseph Campbell and, and comparative mythology, classical literature, uh, the whole hero cycle, you know, that, all that kind of stuff and cosmology. I mean, the, the, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great introduction to world culture. And, and, and I think the popular arts are kind of like the, the last bastion of like the, the great mythological sagas and, and the kind of stories that connect us to our roots as, mm. as, as, as humans, whatever. So that's, that's kind of a whole pretentious thing, but I really feel that way. So anyway, mm. yeah, on art, I always drew, I always, I always drew as a kid. I always wanted to be a comic book artist. As I got older, I got introduced to Van Gogh or Van Gogh, as they say in the United States or, uh, and, and then Michelangelo and Leonardo. Um, and, and this is as I approached the age for art college, I transitioned from wanting to be a comic book artist to wanting to be a, a, a monument or classical sculptor, monument maker, you know, mm-hmm. and, and painter. So I got into that whole scene. I studied classical art for a while. I went to the, some of the best academies in the United States, followed that up with uh, some private studio studying studies in New York City with a bunch of Russian, ex, expatriate Russian artists. And I met one in particular who could sculpt and draw better than any American professor I, I, I ever experienced. And the guy was like my Obi-Wan. <laughs> he, he turned me on to this. He turned me on to this incredible um, way of, of understanding art and, and learning about art in, in in America, in the West in general, but particularly in America in the, in the 20th century, early, in the late mid 20th century. The, the traditional techniques of drawing and sculpting were abandoned in favor of abstract expressionism and and different artistic movements like that, that like pop art and whatnot that kind of rendered the idea of studying something traditional uh, distasteful to art students to the extent that in American art schools they were actually even taking the antique plaster study casts 
of Greek and Roman statues and throwing them down elevator shafts. And oh, or, my goodness. Mm. In Florence, they're even, like, writing graffiti all over, the, you know, the, the classical uh, plaster study cast, which were normally a vehicle of learning in, in a traditional education. Mm. So anyway, you know, I wanted to become a classical artist, so I, I followed in, in my teacher's footsteps, and I went and I lived and studied in Russia after finishing my studies with him. Wow. Came back to America and um, wanted and 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 then worked in a, in a in a foundry sculpting life-size and monumental figures for eight years. Wow! Uh, but but while I was still in New York, at one point when I when I first graduated, finished graduate school, I figured, you know what, I'm 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 going to re I'm going to revisit my love of comics and science fiction because no matter what, it was always there. It was always it's like grafted to my DNA. Mm. So I'm mm. like, hey, you know what, I'm going to try an interview to be a penciler. Um, and I'll sculpt, you know, I'll live this romantic lifestyle of sculpting from the model and drawing from the model all day. And then I'll draw comics at night to make money. <laughs> so I worked, I worked as a waiter and I worked on my, my penciling portfolio. Got an opportunity to interview with DC, which was like amazing, right? So the great uh, Paul Kupperberg, um, mm. you know, he's Doom Patrol and so many other great, great books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he interviewed me and he told me, he's like, hey, you know, kid... You, your your drawing's great, but you really you need to work on your storytelling because my storytelling was was I was like a splash page guy, you know. I I wasn't like a cinematic sequential. I didn't understand that the the mechanism of sequential storytelling as fully as I needed to. Hmm. And he's kind of like, hey, do you want to you want to try inking? And I'm like, oh, I'm a penciler. <laughs> and he's like, he, he's like, he's like, dude, you don't understand. Do you want to try inking? And I'm like. <laughs> I'm a penciler, you know, <laughs> oh, he was, he was, he's like, well, all right, man, that's a shame. He's like, I'll tell you what, your sculpture is great though. And at this time it was, you know, there wasn't, I don't even think there was a WB store, let alone DC direct or anything. So, mm -hmm. but then I started interviewing with Valiant and, um, that went really well. I met this guy who was an assistant art, an assistant uh, editor there. His name was Greg Sanderson, I believe. And he went on to like, I think he led Marvel's first like digital online comics initiative back in the late nineties. And I don't know where he is now, but, um, he got me interviews with Don Perlin and then they started giving me like uh, practice scripts to draw from. And I worked on this one script for solar man of the atom. I went to the New York comic con, showed it to the editor of the actual book. And she was like, wow, this is better than what we actually published. <laughs> and basically I had an in with Valiant. But concurrent with that, this this dichotomous like pull that I had between comics and then quote unquote fine art, the the Russian thing was was building up momentum, and I had the opportunity to go study in Russia, and I just went with that, and I kind of left the world of comics for a long time. It's probably a much more long winded version than you were. No, hoping it's good. For, but yeah, so then anyway, so went to Russia. And it was the best experience of my life. I mean, in okay. Russia, my teachers, teachers literally had studied with Rodin. It the, the, the 19th century academic tradition of fine art, sculpting, and painting had been maintained mm -hmm. by, by the Russians because of social realism. Their political imperative drove them to maintain an art style that, was, that would easily communicate their political agenda to the masses. So the, a realistic, approachable, accessible style was 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 something they maintained. People don't even realize this. I mean, um, Rodin's like chief studio assistant was a guy named Antoine Bordel. He's like the father of the the modern monument. Hmm. Um, he he and himself is one of the greatest sculptors in Western history. Lenin and Trotsky actually studied with Rodin's chief studio assistant. You know, 
They, and, and they, Lenin and Trotsky actually took sculpture classes with like one of Rodin's guys. You know, <laughs> there's there's this whole connection to the to the to the French Academy and with with Russian art that's um, kind of unique. So anyway, long story. Like, I'm not making a long story short. I'm making it longer. <laughs> but um, so I went through that whole thing, and, and then I came back, did the monument stuff, like I said. Um, at one point, when I was while sculpting the monuments. The, the front office where I was working, a, a fine art foundry, they just came in and they, we had traditional three-dimensional enlarging equipment. It's called a pantograph. Um, and we would take 18-inch maquettes and by hand and eye and calipers in this pantograph, we would enlarge them to 10 feet, 20 feet, whatever, so sculpt them in clay. Hmm. One day, the front office came in and said, you know, this is done. We're going all, this is 2001. We're going all digital. You guys are just going to be, you know, painting surface you guys are just going to be painting skins of plastiline or plaster on top of these styrofoam statues that we're going to cut on one of those uh, computer numerically controlled. It's called a CNC machine. One of those CNC machines that cuts styrofoam car car parts. You know the you know the car models that they would build mm-hmm. in. It. Mm-hmm. So I figured I'm screwed. You know I've got a wife, <laughs> I've got a baby, I've got a three year old, I've got another child on the way, and um. I just took it upon myself to learn everything I could about this digital sculpting thing, you know, and I, I, I resisted. I really wanted nothing to do with it. I didn't want to do video games. I didn't want to do movies. I just wanted to make sculpture. Yeah. But at the time, there were really no sculpture opportunities um, because the, the rapid prototyping technology was, was way – and even the sculpting technology kind of sucked back then. But back then, it seemed like it was magic, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, so around 2005, 2006 – I was able to get in touch with Hasbro, and they gave me. They, I did a practice job for them, and I started working on um, the Ironmonger from the very first Iron Man film. <laughs> but they, and, and I wasn't able to go public with that for until for years later, until 2008 or so, when the film came out. <laughs> but concurrent with that, I had done. I had this, you know, inkling to go back to my comic book roots, and I did a practice sculpture of Captain Marvel. Marvel from the Jim Starlin era. That, that's some of my favorite stuff. Mm. But, you know, um, and then I also did a Conan figure, and I posted these figures on. There's, you know, you guys know the Shiflet brothers, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Nicest guys in the world, man. And over the years, I've gotten to be really good friends with both of them, um, and um, I value that friendship uh, more than I can tell you guys. But um, so they had this great forum back in the day, and they still have a really good forum. But but. You know, almost ten years going back into the early two thousand, mid two thousands, it was it was unique. It was before a lot of these other forums had exploded to the degree that they have. Um, I posted my pictures on on the Shiflet Brothers website, and they encouraged me. They're like, "Oh, this stuff's great!" Blah blah blah. And um, I was like, "Wow, man, maybe maybe I could get back into comics. Maybe I really could go this way." And um, I emailed my pictures to Randy Bowen of my traditional sculptures, and he was like. Dude, my Marvel license is on hold right now. When I when I re up my license, I'll give you a shot. This stuff's awesome, and I'm like, wow, this is bananas. This is great because <laughs> I'm trying to Google everything I can about how to do. You know, I mean, I know how to make make. I knew how to cast life size figures, and I always I've, I've worked on giant monuments, twenty foot tall statues, um, 19, 19 figure compositions where I made the entire plaster models to um, be able to be assembled with Roman joints and all that stuff. I could make, you know, plaster piece molds, all kinds of crazy traditional stuff, but I never worked small. 
So I'm like Googling. Like, there used to be a really cool t- tutorial of Randy Bowen sculpting a Boba Fett. I don't know if you guys remember that. It was like in Wizard or something. Mm-hmm. I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah remember that? And I, I studied that thing like religiously. And then like I would get on like the Statue Forum. It was before Statue Marvels came out, um, which is a great – if you're a Bowen fan, you know Statue Marvels is a great site. Al Burr, the guy that runs it, uh, he's actually local. He lives close to me. Great, great guy, man. And he's been really, he's been really generous to me in, in his treatment of my work on his forum. So I appreciate that. Um, I, uh, I figured out how to start, you know, doing these smaller pieces, but then I got the idea. I'm like, Hey, how about if, how about if I pitch this thing digitally to Randy? Because I'm working a full-time day job. I really, it just seemed like the thing to do. And I pitched the, Randy offered me Mephisto based on the John Bashima uh, splash page from, I think it's the Thor annual 10, the one where he's sitting on the throne with the cup in yeah. the air. Yeah. And, um, I pitched it to him digitally and he went for it hmm. and, and, uh, and we, and then, then we did it and, um, it was awesome. And then for me as a comic fan, that was like, I'm like, wow, this is like, <laughs> shit. you know, I'm going to like, this is on my big, like John Bashima for me, like, if you guys want to ask any questions, just please just stop me because no, I can go off. No, no, you, you're about to talk about John Bashima, so, you know, you've got you my attention. Me? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, for me, you know, the fine art thing was awesome, and, and it's a big part of, of my artistic development, but my soul, man, my, my, my umbilical connection is to Jack Kirby, Neil Adams. And, and for me, like the classical draftsman, for Marvel, it was John Bashima, right? Yeah. I mean, he was yep. like – and then you had like – John Bashima for Marvel, and you had Jose Luis Garcia Lopez for DC. For mm-hmm. me, they were kind of like mirror image. You know, there were these, this solid draftsmanship, this dynamic anatomy, and this. Mm-hmm. There was a structural. There was a, a quality that they both had. You know, same mm-hmm. thing. Like mm-hmm. Marvel had Sal, Sal Bashima, and then DC had Jim Aparo. They were like the two workhorses for you know <laughs> the seventies yeah. and eight. So mm-hmm. I'm like huge fans of all this. Gil Kane for anatomy. You know, Jack Kirby for everything. Neil Adams for realism. <laughs> I mean, I, I still, to this day, I'm, 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 I'm totally, I'm a, I study these guys. Um, it's, 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 it's my greatest passion, um, along with Star Wars and well, my family's number one. But anyway, so to me, this was my chance to, I'm like, and I, I, I apply this to this day with every single statue gig that I do. I'm like, this is my, this is my opportunity to make an homage, not only to this character, but to all the great artists that ever worked on this character, um, because that's what the fans want to see. The fans don't want to see Joe Mena doing John, uh, doing Mephisto. They want to see like Mephisto that reminds them of those early Silver Surfer issues. That that re- John Bushima, who is the definitive artist for that character, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So like Randy and I, Randy gave me the opportunity to go like batshit with it. It was great, you know. <laughs> we I did I did the we did the Mephisto from the front like it was from the comic book splash page, but then on the back of the throne, Randy's like, well, why don't you have like you know, these, these souls coming out, these hands coming mm-hmm. out of like some, you know, and what I did is I went back to the original Silver Surfer issues and I took, you know, when you see Mephisto uh, walking through, walking through his realm, there's all those lost souls that are embedded in the, in the stalactites and stalagmites and the rocks and stuff. Yeah. I actually took those very images um, and used them as reference for all the tortured souls that are on the back of, of yeah. Mephisto's throne. Like my whole, I wanted to make this like, this is like a, a, a love song, you know, to, to the character and the mm. artist that made him, made him what he is, you know, in, to the, in the eyes of the fans. I approach every single job like that. If I'm sculpting Batman, like, 
from a particular era. I want to make it as true to that, the spirit of that character. Um, if I'm sculpting a Star Wars figure, I want to make it like so that anybody who loves that character, when they see that, it's immediately going to be, oh, that's, you know, I want it to kind of evoke everything that they love, everything they love about that character, because mm. it's, it's, a, it's a really difficult time financially in, in the whole world. Mm. And people, mm. the people that are like making entire museums in their house to house these things, I mean... Yeah. That's that's a great privilege to be able to make stuff that makes people happy. Indeed. And a lot of yeah. And so if if somebody who's making like nine bucks an hour or ten bucks an hour is going to spend three or four hundred dollars on a statue that I sculpted for some company, yeah. If I'm doing anything less than my best to make that person love that thing, you know, I'm not doing my job. So that's that's kind of fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that's my whole spiel right there. (laughs) That's good. I'm interested in, I I guess, the the digital process and particularly um, uh, for action figures because as well as the statues that we've seen um, that you've done for for Bowen, um, we'll talk about your gentle giant Darth Maul in a moment because that's just amazing. Um, But you've done a fair bit for DC Collectibles, DC Direct, um, and uh, the things like the Parademon for the – the, their recent Justice League line. You know, what goes into sculpting an action figure that's different d- digitally, that's different from a statue sculpt? Well, when you do a statue, um, you have a great degree of flexibility because you can base, you can have it in pretty much any configuration that you'd like because they're going to make silicon molds on those things mm. for mass production. So you have to worry about undercuts and certain things like that, but really you only have to cut it up in, in a in a few different areas for manufacturing. Mm. And when you make an action figure, you have to basically engineer the entire thing so that it can be produced overseas, typically in Hong Kong, Mm. um, for the entire downstream production process. So one of the double-edged swords of this digital thing is that um, it's allowed an influx of people that probably wouldn't necessarily be involved in action figures or statues to, Mm. to, to, to do some work. Um, the, but the advantage that I have is I know how to do all this articulation and all this stuff. So the engineering that's, that's, that's required of an action figure is just, is a little more, is a lot more sophisticated than, than, mm. than what goes into making a statue. And I, I, I guess that's the best way I can answer your question. So, so how much of uh, the mechanics did, did you have to learn of, you know, how action figures, et cetera, are put together before you could start doing the digital sculpting of them? I, I, I didn't. I mean, I, I went, Hasbro threw me right in based on what they saw <laughs> in my sculpture portfolio, and I still have a box filled with uh, prints of failures. Because <laughs> like, they had me do, like, I, do, I did the Ironmonger, and, um, you know, I on the screen it looked like it would it, everything was great so they they printed it up and uh they were learning too at the time i think to an extent so they printed up my iron monger that i sculpted for them and um it, you, it nothing moved <laughs> it was all, you know, all thing so yeah, we worked through that and i got it working and everything so then they, they were going to do a collector's club or they were going to do some like fan poll exclusive it was um sculpted this red king from planet hulk i mean from mm. yeah from planet hulk and um same thing with that. You know, I printed it up and it was, they were like, yeah, it looks good, Joe, but uh, it would be really cool if the arm actually moved. And they were, they were, really, they were really patient with me. They were really, um, they were cool, man. So I basically, yeah, I learned, I learned through Hasbro. And, um, but basically what I, what I, what I, what I, what I did was just go and I bought 
I still do it. I mean, if I'm if I'm working with a new company and I think they have a particular articulation scheme that I haven't that I haven't experienced or I'm not familiar with, hmm. um, I basically I go to the store, I lay down the money for the action figure, and I I bring it home and I and I cut it up. You know, I leave one half intact, and the other half I dissect uh, in order to. But but the but what can be misleading about that is no matter what, no matter what no matter what articulation we build in as sculptors stateside or or, or wherever one may be working from, they typically re-engineer everything in Hong Kong. So mm-hmm. you know the joints the joints that are in a in a in an action figure that you get in the store might not be the way the the, the sculptor designed it. So. Um, they're not always the best study guide. If, if, if anybody's interested in sculpting action figures, um, even, even though he had, uh, even, even, even though it, it, the book doesn't speak about digital sculpting so much, although there is a great section by uh, Jim McPherson, who's an awesome sculptor, and he, I believe he still works at Gentle Giant. He's one of the leads at Gentle Giant. A great sculptor, great film sculptor. I mean, guys like a legend. Um, Tim Bruckner's Pop Sculpture, Pop mm-hmm. Sculpture uh, book. It's about sculpting action figures and statues. Uh, and then there's also a great book on the work of um, Steve Kiewis. It's called Babes, Beasts, and Brawn, uh, Sculpture of the Fantastic. Uh, yeah. It was pu- published by Dark Horse some years ago. Um, those two books are probably the, the best resources for... They're, the, they're like the only books out there that would be like the equivalent of how to draw comics the Marvel way for sculptors, mm-hmm. you know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, there's a lot to learn, man. And it's, there's, but I will say that the, the absolute best background that anybody who wants to digitally sculpt action figures or statues can have is a solid traditional sculpting background. Hmm. You know? It's, it's, uh, I, in my experience, and maybe I'm just prejudiced because I'm older, but I do, I still, it's not about the medium. It's, it's, it's about your understanding and your, and your, and your, and your experience as an artist. Yeah. You know, there's basically with this digital thing, um, I actually was corresponding with one of the guys that was one of the inventors of the iPad because I'm, you know, I'm really into this tech. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all in with this technology, but he <laughs> describes digital, the digital experiences, um, you know, drawing on glass. It's really not a fully three-dimensional experience. You're still drawing on glass, you know, when you draw on one of these screens or even a tablet. Mm. Um, there are, there, there are certain foundational limitations that I think by not exposing oneself to a profound traditional education, you're putting really big limits on your horizon. But once you have that training, then the digital experience becomes like the ultimate realization of like Leonardo's dream of the marriage of science and art. I think when you have a strong enough traditional skill set and you combine that with the digital technology, digital technology... The danger of digital technology is that you literally can do anything. I mean, there, there are no limits with this digital sculpting stuff. Anything that's in your imagination, you can realize in on the screen. And then now the quality of the printers is so is so uh, high that you know. When I, I mean, my, my my partner's a guy named Jason Wires. He's a the brother of the late Eddie Wires. Mm-hmm. Jason's probably the best prototype painter. Um, mold maker and 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 3d print vendor on the planet in, in, my, in my in my professional opinion he's a great guy but he prints all of all the stuff i do for dc and, and a lot of my other gigs 
he's he prints it all. A lot of some companies they print their own stuff, like General Giant, they do their stuff in house. Hmm. Um, but but when the printer, Jason's prints are so good that like literally when they come off the machine, he he barely has to touch them. Well, um, yeah. I, I get really frustrated. I go to these comic book conventions and they have these panels and then there'll be all traditional sculptors on the panel. And then, then the, the audience will ask some questions about 3D printing and digital sculpting. And they haven't these guys, they God bless them, but they really have no idea uh, <laughs> what they're talking about. And the, the only guy I've seen give a panel interview where he where he where he, he um, doesn't I'm not naming names, but. There's some guy. There's a lot of the digital, a lot of traditional guys feel threatened by the digital thing. So I, I, I think that even to this day, there's a, there's a big unnecessary schism, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, that's another story. <laughs> so with the, uh, the action figures, um, how much art direction do you get in terms of you know style? Or I'm thinking about like the Arkham City Solomon and Grundy, where he's got the removable chest plate and heart was that your idea or something that you were directed to do or every every single job i have i see i think one of the biggest sins of the industry is that art directors don't get box credit Hmm. um i ask my my clients that if i can if i can mention the art director's names when i post stuff um because because you know no matter what anybody no matter what anybody tells you this is a collaboration 100 percent. i mean there's some guys like we're just such incredible legends in the business like gene st jean and tim bruckner that i think that they get pretty much free reign to do their thing hmm. but guys like me that, that that are that are you know that are only knee deep in the business you know in terms of the years i've only been doing it six years i, I still I, I you know i i'm i'm expected to to and happily uh work with my art directors in tandem i have never worked on a project and this isn't ass kissing bullshit it's the truth i've never worked on a project that any one of my art directors has not made much better than I could have done it on my own because it's hmm. it's a total it's a collaboration. So that mm-hmm. that Solomon Grundy, my art director, is this guy Brian Webster. He's crazy man. He's a great guy. You know, we 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 we, we have a great relationship. And um, you know, anything that was good on that piece is as much Brian as it is me. Uh, uh, the Gentle Giant Darth Maul. I was art directed by Gabriel uh, Gabriel Garcia. Guy is an incredible sculptor in and of his own right. You know, um, every, every these these art directors are are fantastic talents, and they they are. I kind of liken it to that episode of Speed Racer, where Racer X and where Speed's blind and Racer X's legs are supposedly broken, hmm. so they team up, and Racer X is is telling Speed where to go, like Steve's, you know, where Speed where to go. <laughs> that that's what the art director sculptor relationship seems like to me, man, because hmm. it's. I'll get all high on myself and I'll be like, oh, you, you guys, are, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. And then the art director will, I don't say that to them, obviously, but <laughs> I make the changes and I'm like, you know, hey, this is, this is, uh, this is much better for it. Not always, but typically. So that whole chest pullout thing, man, that was, that was DC's, that was Brian. And um, the thing I was proud about with the Grundy is between what, what, what Jason and I were able to do in terms of. I mean, how I sculpted it is basically how it came off the printer, is basically how it went to Hong Kong, and not even just the production sample, but the actual toy out of the box is 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 as close to what, I mean, what I pride myself on, maybe some of my clients will disagree if they hear this, uh, I like to provide production-ready files or production-ready assets so that what, what, you, what you see on the screen is what you get, is what you get in the final product. And it takes, I'm still not there yet because uh, even after 
digitally sculpting for shit, I've been digitally, I've been digitally sculpting since 2001. You know, there's there's every factory is different. There's all kinds of different downstream processes that are involved. So you, so you print something, right? You sculpt something and it gets printed. And depending on who your print vendor is, unless it's Jason Wires, there's a potential loss of detail, right? Mm. And then there's a mold that gets made on it, and there's a little bit of detail washed out there. Not much. You know, molds can get your fingerprint if, if done properly. So, um, But then the model gets painted, and then the model gets molded again, and then there's tooling generated, and this and that. You know, you basically, you know, whatever you see on the screen, the chances of that, say I have like a burlap texture on the screen, the chances of that surviving the downstream process are dependent on me anticipating how washed out it's actually going to get. And you only learn that through experience. Hmm. Uh, my typical rule of thumb is like whatever's on the screen, I try to, to double down. So if I have a texture on, on, on a model, I'll try and make it twice as deep than what maybe looks visually pleasing because I know that once it goes through the whole process, it's going to show up. But I, I'm still learning how to, how, to, how to cope with that. Like I, I do, I've had the good fortune of doing a couple of figures for McFarlane and um, – they're they're pretty cognizant of, of 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 those issues. So like, you know, when when you're working with McFarland, they tell you make the seams twice as deep, make this. You know, they they, they know what they're doing. I mean, all these companies that are, are they they all know what they're doing. So, and I'm you know drinking too much coffee this morning. So you guys tell me <laughs> <that> stuff. <laughs> so Joe, one question that I had with such a, a broad background from the, the classical training, but then also uh, the influence from um, comics and science fiction and all that sort of thing, you've, you've had a hand in so many different pools. You've created action figures, statues. Um, you've created, you know, comic book statues. You've created sci-fi statues. Um, the, the, obviously the monument work. Do, do you, enjoy the variety that, that that comes with those skills or you know if you had your way you would um sculpt superhero statues for a living and nothing else oh yeah man i mean i i um i mean ultimately when you as long as ultimately when you're working for somebody else you're working for somebody else and you're not the captain of your own ship hmm. you know ideally I, I would i would i would like to be fully you know independent um sculpting 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 for the popular arts is my favorite thing to do. I, I don't want to belittle. I'm not, I'm not really allowed to speak about my day job, and but and I don't want to belittle that because it's a it's a great thing too. Hmm. Uh, but but you know my heart is with is with is with this is with these these um, these popular culture vehicles and intellectual properties. It's not so much that I'd want to be doing one thing or another all the time. What I what 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 I would really like to do is in addition to sculpting realizing the vision of others i mean i think what i'd like to do is get my own characters going i've 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 been developing a bunch of characters and with backstories and whatnot and for all these years i've had these plans where you know i'm going to make this statue and i'm going to have like an ashcan comic that comes with it and and all that stuff but i'm so stuck on the the hamster wheel of providing a a living for my family Mm. that i don't I'm, I work. I work a lot, so I don't really have the opportunity to produ- pursue my own characters uh, mm. with with the vigor that I would like to. Yeah. So, what what do you do when when you're not doing this? This is what I do. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm serious. No, you know, I spend spend as much time with my kids as possible. 
Yeah. If I could yeah. do one thing every day, all day for the rest of my life, it would be surfing. Yeah. I'm the world's yeah, I'm the world's worst surfer, but I probably <laughs> I, I'm serious. I suck, but um, but I love it. I just I love surfing. Um, <laughs> I, it's just a great thing. Um, I just love spending time with my wife and kids, man. I mean, for me, it's all about family and, and yeah. feeding my family. Hmm. And uh, by being able to feed my family as an artist, that's just. I win, you know, it's, mm, I have no, mm. no complaints, man. <laughs> you know? when, when you think about the, the pieces that you've done, you know, w- what are the couple that you are most proud of? The Darth Maul for General Giant was, mm. was a tremendous honor. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I've got the Jedi Order logo tattooed on my right forearm. You know, I mean, the Solomon Grundy for DC, Mm. Uh, the Arkham City Catwoman that was that was solicited recently mm. um, statue, um, Mephisto for Randy Bowen just for the reasons I expressed before. Um, that Darth Maul is an amazing piece. It's epic. How long did that actually take you to to design? I didn't. Well, it was you know. Um, I didn't design it. It was based sure, yeah. on a promotional image from the Clone Wars TV show. Hmm. And um, what was really cool, and I'm, I'm going to butcher his last name. So Chris B., the guy who actually was the, the, the sculpt, he was the sculpt lead. He was the lead modeler for that that show. Um, uh, he actually posted on, on uh, one of the forums that he liked the statue and that he actually had one. Hmm. Um I know the guy's name. It's just I'm choking because I'm I'm, I'm talking to you guys now. <laughs> but he honored it. it was so the guy that actually you know basically you know developed the character. He he was a fan of it. So that was awesome. But that was a uh, you know that's Gentle Giant man. Gentle Giant are are one of the best in the business. Not by accident. They know what they're doing. They know they know how to get the results they need. That was a direct um, collaboration between me and and my art director uh, Gabriel Garcia, Gentle Giant. You know. I do, you know, that's that's the way the process works. You, you, whether it's an action figure or a statue, you sculpt a rough, and um, you sculpt a rough. You submit that to your art director for review, and they'll typically mark it up in Photoshop. You know, do some overlays. You know, make this go here, make this go there, and then you fix it up again, and you submit it a second time, and, and you go back and forth like that until it's until it's right. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're doing, when you're working directly for the licensor. Like DC, when you work for DC, it's easy because it, DC is DC. Mm. There's no external review. Mm. Where it gets to be a pain in the ass sometimes is, and I, not, I mean, where the process gets protracted, not a pain in the ass. Where the process, process, excuse my language, where the process can become protracted is when you're dealing with a third-party licensor. Mm. So say I'm doing a project for like a comic book company or a statue company, and they have the license from a film company. You know what I mean? Mm. First, the art director goes over it, but then they have to show it to their licensor, you know, and get approval from them. So you can go all the way through something with the statue company and, and, and everything's great. And you think the project's done and then they go to the licensor and the licensor's like, what the hell's this? <laughs> and you start, you have, sometimes you have to almost start from scratch. So that, uh, that would be challenging. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like when I do stuff for, D, for DC, sometimes, what well, I shouldn't even meant to say that the company. Sometimes when I do a job for a company, I'll just get images from a comic book and they say, go for it. Other times you get very, very specific um, control art, you know? Like in particular, I do a lot of the minifigures that come with the DC direct-to-video movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like uh, those Warner Home Video th- like films that are just oh, yeah. like, 
like they're great, you know. And I did the ones for Dark Knight, you know. I did the Bat- Frank Miller Batman. I did the the Joker. I did uh, the Professor Zoom from the Flashpoint one. Hmm. I did Brainiac from the recent Superman one. I did um, Manchester Black from from uh, the Superman one a, a little while ago. Red Hood from Under the Red Hood. Uh, Catwoman from Batman Year One. Those I get the animation. I get the animation turn sheets, and they have to be very, very model specific. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. Yeah. But um, but the the longer I'm in the business, the more leeway my the more my art directors seem to trust me, and they they let me kind of ad lib a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. One thing with the Grundy is is that was actually sculpted from scratch. Wow. Like a lot of people think that it was done from the game files, and that's not the case. I mean, I had, and that's the other thing. Like, was it, I think it's Rocksteady, Rocksteady Games, Rockstar. Mm. The studio, butchering that, but basically the studio that that did Arkham City, um, the the artists that designed the characters, they're they're the ones you know that that get the credit for that. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm just googling the name of the studio because yeah, Rockstar. <laughs> Rockstar. I know there's Rockstar games. No, nah, man, it's like you know. But what's cool is sometimes when I post these characters, like I did a premium statue along with Dave Cortez for the Injustice Gods Among Us video game deluxe edition. And I posted the Batman on there on, on the, the forum where I, where I post my stuff. Uh, the guy who actually sculpted the model gets on there and he's like, you know, this is great, blah, blah, blah. Um, there were a couple of different versions of that statue put out with that game depending on the region did you do all of them or just the no. right no all, all all i did was the um the statue of uh hold on. the statue with with batman and wonder woman uh with the rocket ship that's the only one that i worked on okay because i know there, there's another one where he's grabbing where she's grabbing his throat or yeah that's i've got like that one that. because that's the one that came out here right yeah, yeah. Dependent on the region, which one you got? Like there was a that that one that you did came out in the states, mm. um, but then the the one you know totally different design um, is the one that came out in UK and Australia. Right. I, I, here's a it's Chris Boss Boss Janik uh, Boss Jan, Janik. He's a guy that that did. He was the lead guy on the on the Clone Wars. So he's a guy that actually sculpted the Darth Maul from the from the film that it was based on. Um, I butchered his name earlier, so I just wanted to correct that. <laughs> and the cool the cool thing was is that he he gave me a cool shout out on one of the forums, and then we hooked up on Facebook and we talked back and forth, and he was gracious gracious enough to send me uh, uh, the art of the Clone Wars hardcover coffee table book as a result. Wow, so that, nice. Yeah, man, that's the other thing that's kind of awesome. Like. I did the uh, I did Dustin Nagoyan's Batman Black and White, and Dustin yeah. and I got to be buds, you know. Like um, when you do like DC, DC is um, treats treats their artists incredibly well. Um, I like to say like they let us sit at the grown up table because when mm-hmm. when DC has you know, a lot of all the big statue companies have great parties at the cons and, and you get invited and it's wonderful, but as a fan, the cool thing about the DC parties is that you get invited to the DC Comics party sometimes, you know? <laughs> so I'm hanging out with, 
you know, you're hanging out with Jim Lee, Jeff Johns, and then they, Greg Capullo, and and then, the, you know, like right when the New 52 party happened, uh, that, that was New York Comic Con, and there's Rob Liefeld, you know, all these guys. <laughs> you, you're just like, you're trying not to go for Scott Snyder, all these people. You're trying not to go fanboy because, you know, I feel like I'm, quote, unquote, just a sculptor, but... Uh, I made the I made the I made the obvious mistake of being the only one going to a DC party actually wearing a Batman shirt. You know, <laughs> I kind of look like such a dork. But, uh, I couldn't help. I mean, I'm I, I was like a DC. Mar- My whole collection is fifty percent DC, fifty percent Marvel. Mm. But the cool thing about working for DC is, for some reason, when I was a little kid, my very first comics are like World's Finest, Super Sons, you know, crazy stuff from the early seventies. The the Dick Dillon. Uh, Justice League stuff. There was something about like there was a there was an optimism to the DC universe. You know the Legion of Superheroes, and I also had the good fortune of getting a box of like 200 Silver Age DCs for my uncle. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> you know Adam and Hawkman, Gil Kane, Green Lanterns, Neil Adams, uh, Superman and Batman, Kurt Swan, Wayne Boring, and um, and I think because of the Super Friends and stuff. You know, there was a lot more exposure to the, to the DC characters on TV with the old Filmation DC stuff, yes. the yeah. Batman TV series. So there was always like an attraction to DC for me. So when I finally got to work for DC after having failed as a, as a penciler in an interview 20 years earlier, <laughs> that was kind of that was awesome. You know, <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So Joe, given that you've done such a, a wide variety of items that you'd find at your local comic shop, have you ever been in a situation where you've been in a comic shop and uh, and you've stood next to a fan who who may have been looking at the Solomon Grundy figure and you know you've you've just been able to sort of say, hey, you know, I, I did that. I did it once at a Toys R Us. I was kind of looking a little disheveled. I was there shopping with my kids. And there were some Iron Man toys on the rack, and this this ladies there with their son buying them action figures. And I said, <laughs> I was you know this is when I first started in the business. And I said, hey, I did that. And she looked at me like I was goddamn crazy. <laughs> and she just kind of <laughs> she, like, she kind of ran away. But um, get away from my that, son. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if, um, if I can give a shout out, I go to a comic shop in Philly. It's called Brave New Worlds. It's on Second Street between Market and Arch and um, Rob. Uh, Rob and Brian are 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 the are are the the, the resident uh, Brian Johnson and, and Robert Lefevre. Le, Le I'm going to pronounce his name incorrectly because I am, but the two best guys in the world. And um, you know, when when I see my stuff in the shop, uh, it's it's just an honor for me. I mean, it's I've been able to do a lot of other stuff that's really really high profile that I can't talk about, but. Seeing my stuff on a rack in a comic shop to me is just—it's, I never get tired of it. Hmm. And um, so if and I that's went- the other thing. I, that's the other thing I think too. Like, the comic shops that that to the, you know, uh, brick and mortar stores that are still putting a lot of toys out there. It's like you know, God bless them, man, because we don't exist without the retailers. I, I really think that the whole community, from the creators, you know, the comic creators, the sculptors, the cosplayers. The collectors, the fans, the retailers, I think it's all one big family, you know, because we all support each other. It's what I do doesn't mean anything if somebody's not going to buy it. I mean, it means something for me to make it. But the whole thing, it's, it's like we're all fans of this stuff. We all love this stuff, you know. So we're, I really think it – I'm just happy to be – man, it, it's like our tribe, you know. I mean this whole – you know how – you guys know what I'm talking about. It's like mm. there's – there's. I just think it's a, it's a whole – 
when I go to Comic-Con, man, I just, I mean, it's like the only time I feel at home, you know, outside, outside of my family. I, when I go connect with, with, with my, with my fellow sculptors and comic artists and, and just can talk to people. Cause like in, in everyday life, I don't get to talk to guys like you that if I mention you know, Kurt Schaffenberger, they know who I'm talking about, <laughs> you know, you guys know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm. All right. Just check. But, um, you know, I live on this stuff, dude. I mean, dudes, I'm, 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 I'm up to my eyeballs in this one. I'm on the train going to the day job. I'm reading graphic novels or I'm sketching my own characters. I'm, I, I always have, I'm all my, my, I'm always in that, that, what did, what did, uh, Tolkien call it not not Kirby's fourth world, but he didn't Tolkien call it Tolkien call it the fourth world or something like that. You know that 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 fantasy realm where mm-hmm. you just kind of I don't know. Mm. I dig this stuff. That's fantastic. Well, Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk yeah, to you. Al, I mean, you guys need some gauze or some bandages. I'm sure your ears are totally bleeding by now. <laughs> no, mate. Look, you've done you've done a great job. You've made it really easy for us. <laughs> it's good. Um, but we really appreciate your time, and it has been absolutely fantastic talking to you. And uh, hopefully, we will have a chance to do it again someday. And I'll I'll I'll, I'll be much. More brief next time. No, you're right. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Whenever we do interviews, um, people often afterwards say, "Did I talk too much?" And you're like, "Well, we kind of got you here because we wanted you to talk." So <laughs> that's right. That's, that's actually right. it's good. Th- it's a good thing. <laughs> no, I, I can't thank you. I'm, I'm completely honored that you guys asked me. I can't thank you enough. Um, I just really, really appreciate it, and I look forward to hanging out with you guys on the forums and maybe meeting you in person at one of these conventions sometime. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, well, Joe, thank you so much, and uh, we will be right back in a moment with some feedback before we wrap things up for good. All right, boys, take care. Mutant Warriors, Rattaro, Soulsman, Croon the Destroyer, battle against Lion-O and the new Thundercat allies, Hatchiman, Snowman, Tusker Warrior, the battle is on for the Sword of Omen. Thunder, 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 Figures and vehicles each sold separately from LJF. Well, before we finish off, we have a bit of feedback from our listeners to share with you, and we love receiving feedback. So if you would like to hear your questions, comments, or suggestions on future episodes, email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com, post on our Facebook page, send us a tweet, uh, throw rotten vegetables with notes attached to them at Ben, and you might just hear it read out. And Justin, you have our piece of feedback tonight, so over to you. I do indeed. It comes from our very special friend, Tom, who goes by Freak Studio on uh, our forum, AFB that is, and he writes in response to our She-Hulk episode. So it goes, a couple of uh, thoughts about episode 80. Number one, why in your mind it's important... Oh, I'm going to have to paraphrase here. Why in your mind it's important that Hulk is a huge muscular character if She-Hulk is not? With that logic, Bruce Banner wouldn't change in size. He'd only turn greener and super strong. Uh, picture attached somewhere. Mm. Uh, and it's no good to compare She-Hulk with Wonder Woman because one has a magical origin in which size and strength are not linked and the other has a sci-fi origin that explains that the irritated blood actually makes you grow strong and green instead of killing you. Here, if you take the Hulk as reference, muscle size and strength are part of the same transformation. Shame. Shame, shame. Well, let's address that first before we move on let's to the go. elements of his let's feedback. Well, I, I included this because that supports the argument that I tried to make. Blah, blah. 
<laughs> you win. Yay. <laughs> so thank you, Tom. I agree with you completely. Um, Tom goes on. Yes. <laughs> to uh, number two. Okay, so it's uh, someone said this during the podcast. No, uh, no, we didn't. No? Are you sure? Yes. No, trust me. <laughs> okay, we mentioned, so. Just read it. Okay, Tom says she once made a porn with Superman. It's a way better selling point that she almost had a TV movie starring Brigitte Nelson. Nelson. Yeah, so um, we mentioned the second one, and he's saying the first one's a better selling point. Actually, I think Reese did mention about the uh, pornograph movie. Yeah, I think he did too. <laughs> yeah, and just in like a throwaway line. Listen more carefully, Tom. Mm. Uh, Tom goes on. <laughs> Three. How dare you mention an Argentinian bootleg without me? Double shame! Exclamation point. <laughs> should be triple shame by then, should I? That's right. Yeah, yeah it should. Exactly. He's not happy. Sorry, we left you out of that, Tom. <laughs> we didn't know it was. We didn't know it was coming. No, that's right. That's yeah. right. This well, show's th- not scripted. No, that's right. Not at all. It was just no. spontaneous inclusion. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, thank you very much for that, Tom. Thank you, Justin, for reading it out so beautifully. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And uh, we would love to hear from you. Not you, Tom. Not you, Justin. I mean, yeah, you, Tom. What the? But, but oh, not, not me. Not you, Justin. No, we don't oh. want to hear from you. Right. Um, but if you if you want to tell us what you think about Justin, we would be very appreciative <laughs> of that because we're kind of wondering ourselves. Be careful. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> don't put your address on it. He might find you. And that would be bad. All right. Well, I think we've run out of puff. Um, congratulations to our new government in Australia, whoever you are. Um, please try not to stuff things up any more than you already have. Don't sack me. No more taxes. No. Yeah. And um, yeah. No, don't completely kill the refugees, please. Yeah, that would be bad. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. See ya. Good evening, John Spade or Needed. Okay, yeah. Please. <laughs> or both. Yeah. Bye. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and downloaded direct at actionfigureblues.com by clicking on the podcast tab. If you do listen to us on iTunes, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join in with all of the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, new releases, old lines, and engage in trades and sales in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please don't forget to check out our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, ShelfLife.net, and the Pop Culture Superstore, who help keep our site running. You can also find us on Twitter at AFBlues and on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. Thanks for listening. everybody this is john hiding deep in a bunker trying to avoid the sharknadoes last time we heard a sound that sounded a little something like this (laughs) and if you were a child of the 80s or 90s you of course knew that this had to be from the michael jackson doll and 
of course, one person actually guessed this as soon as I sent them the sound, and that was Scott, because, you know, he collected Michael Jackson dolls along with Glamour Gals in the 80s. So, um... You have to do this Well, of course, we all are here because we collect. That's right. That was terrible. We are? I know. Yes, I don't know. We, what, what's wrong with me? We collect are. We, we, all, we all are. We was, are. That like, was that the Yoda, like, you yes. know, feeding the addiction? Collect, we are here? Here because? we are all. Because collect, we do. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, oh, fuck. God. Change of government and everyone just I loses the say. plot. Mm-hmm. <laughs>